now enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Mythbits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Mythbits. We are your hosts, Jenna and Joe Sparks, and this is episode 113. Welcome to Serotonia. <laughs> The world of myth bits. Welcome to the world of myth bits, and we want to wish you a happy new year or a safe new year or uh, a content new year, um, a less stressful new year. A calmer New Year, uh, whatever, just fill in the blank. A decent New Year <laughs> as we step into twenty twenty one. We have some housekeeping this week, um, and it sounds a little daunting, but it's not. It's it's for for the better. So stick with me. All right. First and foremost, if you've been following us or the newsletter or my public life as an American nerd or just the world of myth and the Jason company, you ought to be aware that Dave, David Montoya, is gearing up to officially re-enter the world of medicine. And in doing so, he and our beloved Stephanie are currently in talks regarding uh, the first quarter plans for 2021. So as Dave is adjusting to balancing his time working at the hospital, Steph is going to be stepping in to lead the company and to the designated targets. So it's going to be tricky, but we're going to do it. And we know Steph can do it. I think if anybody, I think Dave has made sure that he has got the best hands on deck as possible. So. A bit of ickier news is that the company has been unable to reach a term of agreement with Yahoo Small Business for the first time in 16 years. So because of this, the world of myth will be leaving Yahoo as the web hosting company. So 16 years, that's a lot of content. So on that note, the company's online hub, jazohub.com, will be transitioning to a new service. For that reason, access to back issues of the world of myth as well as back episodes of Jazo Modcast podcasts will temporarily be un- unavailable for the foreseeable next few months. Um, so while everything gets moved and situated, we just ask that you be patient and understanding of this this is a huge move. Like I said, 16 years worth of content being moved over to an entirely new web host. That's a lot. So, but it will get moving. Just patience. And additionally, we are looking for someone interested in writing and mailing out our newsletter. So while it's not been available lately because of the holidays, it is planned to return this coming Saturday, so fear not. But if you think this is a role for you, go ahead and reach out. And last but not least, 
And this is super important, so please just hammer it into your precious heads that all submissions for the next issue of the magazine are strictly, strictly due by the 15th. Um, because of Dave's uh, new career, we are uh, going through some minor adjustments just to make sure everything runs as smoothly as possible. We don't want any added stresses, any added uh, uh, concerns, essentially. So just make sure your submissions are in by the 15th, okay? And that wraps us up for housekeeping. Congratulations to Stephanie and definitely congratulations to Dave. And everybody around here has got this under our belt. Yes. So speaking of belts, if you have been paying any fraction of attention to media in the past couple years, you may have heard of a revival of a film series from the 1980s called The Karate Kid, and this revival is called Cobra Kai. When it first came out, I was never a fan of, I mean, like, I was just, I, I The Karate Kid was never my thing. My brother was obsessed with it. Like he went and joined karate. He he was he was the karate kid fanatic. How many how many kids do you think join karate now? Now? You well, now the, I want to join karate. The uptick. <laughs> um, well, maybe not now, now, but Well, because well point being mm-hmm. is Oh, a good segue, by the way. You <laughs> set it up under the belt. So anyway, so uh, Cobra Kai was first released on YouTube, uh, the premiere service, Red or whatever it was called, um, a couple years ago. I didn't watch it. Joe didn't watch it. Nobody, I mean, my brother watched it. I knew a couple people who watched it. Um, I thought nothing of it because, like I said, I'm not, you know, I was never, oh, the Karate Kid was the best thing to happen to film. Um, that's not to say it wasn't. It just wasn't, it wasn't my thing. Anyway... Joe went and watched it when they launched on Netflix um, a couple months ago. Joe, Joe went ahead, you went and watched it, and then uh, a couple weeks ago, you're like, hey, I'm going to make you watch this show. And I was like, ugh. And um, I think it took us, what, like four days <laughs> to watch seasons one and two, and now we're on season three that was just released on the first of the year. I'm not, midnight. yeah, I'm not really a binger of shows, but making those little babies 30 minutes a piece really helped. Well, that, and I think, so the whole point of this is we kind of want to talk about a couple things uh, that inspired these conversations uh, from Cobra Kai. And so um, I think... And I keep saying it because I'm I'm trying to get like my teenager to watch it because I'm like it's it's so good and they're like I'm not into it I'm like I didn't think I would be either just trust me because somehow I don't know what they did and I'm sure there are people who are in complete disagreement who just will fight tooth and nail but to me it feels like like Cobra Kai the show's uh, writers they found. They found it. They found how to revive something. They found 
how to script something that's a little campy, a little silly, a little on the nose, but still make it to where it's not uh, cringy. You know, like you don't, it's, it's silly in parts. I mean, I will laugh, you know, at certain things. Um, but they found the formula to where you're not disengaged from the get go. It feels like a proper continuation of a 30 year old story and like I said, I really, truly applaud the writers for whatever it was they sat down and talked about and conceived because, like I said, they found it. And I feel like we're in this era of reboots and revivals and all of that. And sometimes it just it 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 feels weird. Like it like Bill and Ted Face the Music was was a good film, but it felt weird. I think what it is is because of the way they're developing everything. Um, especially the characters and how people are able to reflect against the characters and um, really see themselves with it. Because for those who haven't seen it, uh, Dan LaRusso, he has grown into his own and um, he owns an auto dealership, right? Because of Miyagi had given him the car and he was a poor kid from Jersey and um, he... Uh, is doing pretty well for himself now because of the old American adage, you know. Um, and then you have Johnny Lawrence, who is on the other side, who lost the competition, and he went through a few uh, issues, you know, through to life. To say the least. Went through a few issues in <laughs> life there and uh, wound up in a handyman service um, in a small apartment in L.A. It's the Reseda. Mm-hmm. Rosita, uh, wood? I, think Rosita, I can't remember, but they purposely made it look exactly like uh, Daniel's apartments from the films uh, to kind of mirror where Daniel was back then and where Johnny is now because Johnny came from a, a place of privilege and, and all of that um, financially well off, all, all that. So right. they wanted to kind of flip it. So that Reseda, the Reseda apartments are the same from uh, Slums of Beverly Hills, right? <laughs> so uh, excellent film also, if anybody's interested in that one. Um, so the way that they structure these characters um, can reflect against people of a certain age. Remember that TV show, Men of a Certain Age? No. Okay. So the TV show, <laughs> Men of a Certain Age, and it kind of reflects a little bit against that uh, with the way that they are coming more so into their understanding of themselves when they hit, about, I think they're somewhere, they've got to be somewhere around like 40, 45. They didn't really say the age, right? They've got to be right there though, right? In, in the show? Cobra Kai? Yeah. No, these boys are in their 50s. Are they in their 50s? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Daniel is... is about 52. Yeah, see, so there you go. You have these 52-year-olds, you know, out there whooping these teenagers' asses out in a parking lot, right? Um, also, what we're finding out, you know, as, as I watch it of a person of my age, um, that when you look back against how these teenagers are handling things, 
I think the writers have this perspective they're trying to put against the characters of the teenagers of this ridiculous aspect. So I don't want to put it that way. I don't want to put it as it's a ridiculous aspect. It's more so your, propri your priorities rather are significantly different when you're 16 versus when you're 52. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and uh, I enjoy how they build these kids off of the aspect of Cobra Kai teaches the strength and discipline against what is seemingly the majority of troubled kids mm -hmm. right? or bullied or, you know, um, the street youths type, such as in season three, there's going to be a slew of spoilers because we cannot describe this for those listening home, the characters without shooting the entire spoiler umbrella over everything. Yeah, we'll just try to be very, very cautious. Like, right. try not to... Maybe in like name names or anything if you're gonna give away a spoiler. Well, I gotta use the names of the characters that I'm trying to describe. Actions though. So Tori in season three, right? You get a little bit of her story. We still haven't finished the entire season, so we're unaware of what even happens thus yeah. far. But they are giving a little backstory against Tori and why she spoiler because i cannot describe this without talking about the story just say um, the way she fights well the way she's very aggressive the way yeah. she fights but the way she attacks sam in school right so she instigated the fight in the season finale of season two instigated the fight because of sam and miguel's um feelings towards each other and after she had seen them kiss at the party so she took this high insecure path to um, <laughs> to enact revenge, which is interesting because of how Cobra Kai's fighting style is different than the Miyagi-Do because Robbie, sorry, I'm jumping a bit around, but Robbie- <laughs> Start at the beginning. Yeah, Robbie <laughs> is Johnny Lawrence's son, okay? And um, he was definitely a troubled youth because Johnny had left, right? He had left and wasn't in his son's life, even though they're in the same city. Anywho, uh, see, see We've that's, seen it happen before. <laughs> yeah, this is where it gets a little tricky because I've known of family members who haven't spoke to each other and we lived in the same city. Yeah. So I'm just going to say. I mean, we've, we've seen it before. <laughs> so it's very relatable in case of what? They live in the same city? It's like. And I think on uh, that note, like it's almost, I think, like in terms of, of the, the writing and comprehension of that, which is ultimately what we kind of want to talk about. But I think that that almost is more hurtful. You know, the fact that you are nearby and yet still completely, uh, avoidant right. of somebody uh I was who's a couple blocks away i was unaware you know? i was gonna have to go through the entire synopsis of the program <laughs> before even talking about the development of the characters so um robbie he in season two um obviously another spoiler uh kicks miguel over the railing in the fight that was instigated by tori right but that was based off of um, 
his own insecurities of of being young and all that good stuff that comes mm. along with it. In one aspect of thinking, you can see that these two kids is, have kissed at a party, right? And one of them was drunk. So one of them was under the influence of drugs, right? But this is where it gets kind of interesting. It's like, well, who's, who's the... What I think is really smart, and, you know, you guys know me. Like, you know my opinions <laughs> and, and where uh, my tastes lie with especially in in uh acknowledgement of uh women and the way they're portrayed i think what the writers did because it's you know like like you were saying about oh well it was a kiss and it's like you know typically i'd be like are you serious like we're really gonna go down this like teenage uh jealous girl type of thing which that Not, affects people of all ages. It though. does, but it's so typical to see it like portrayed because every time you see women pitted against each other, it's typically because of a boy. Well, that like, it did, but that fight didn't start over that. It fought. It started because Sam accused Tori of stealing. Yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to get at. Is they wrote these characters so fleshed out in regard to the fact that it's not just that these two girls were fighting over a boy or these two boys were fighting over a girl. It was all of the circumstances already working against them. It's, um, you know, where Sam, her, her role as, um, a rich girl and Tori's role as a not rich girl who's really had a hard comeuppance and um, everything together, you know, the um, Sam almost superiority complex that she has against Tori and then Tori, who's obviously very, you know, who's made to feel very insecure because of Sam's um, actions and attitude toward her like like I said like they made it so multi-dimensional in such simple ways to where like I said it's like it's not just they're fighting over a boy there's jealousy there's all of this like yeah of course that's that's a part of it but that's just the camel that that or the straw that broke the camel's back and I really applaud that type of writing where you have 30 minutes every episode and they've managed to flesh out these characters and to not just, and you know, to not just make these teenagers, just one dimensional teenagers that we always see portrayed, you know, these, these kids who are just attitudinal or mean or spiteful or angsty because they're just teenagers. No, no, no. They're giving us the explanation just as much as we're getting the explanation from, um, you know, the adults' point of views, the Johnny's history and uh, Daniel's history and everything. And I think they just have done, like, a really great job delving into that. And it's definitely not something we always get to see in the attitudes of, of characters, especially like this. You know, Johnny could just be, you know, a, a washed-up, you know, angry blue collar character. And Daniel could just be this uh, rich 
guy who, you know, uh, happily profits off of uh, his Miyagi uh, training from 30 years ago. It just, it's, it, it could be so surficial, but the way they've kind of designed these characters, they've done such good work. So that's kind of what I was getting on is just, uh, I really like the way they, they give us all of uh, the logic behind the angst, especially between these girls, because it's just, it's, it's such a shift, you know, and I appreciate it. Right, because then you have, um, also along with Johnny's character, is because you have him um, portrayed in such a, a way, you know, that everything has to be badass, right? <laughs> everything in the show has got to be badass, and he is unaware of new terminology in which the students bring <laughs> He's him. unaware of so much. <laughs> He's unaware Bless of him. the new terminology and how things are, and and he's being awakened to it, you know, because he's lived in this certain style for so long, mm-hmm. you know. So I think uh, I think that where it goes to show too is the way that they develop these characters is actually taking years to develop new ideas and new sets of ideas and everything like that, you know. Yeah. Um. So. I think they have something under the sleeve. I, I'm going to make a prediction right now. I think they might actually permanently disable Miguel. I think so. That's, I don't know. I, we'll have to keep watching. Like, we're yeah, only on I mean, we're only far in. That's, four or five, I That's think. a baby prediction. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like. But I might. think, you know, because they've they've brought back um, the character of Crease And Crease as much of, um. <laughs> an antagonist as he is, he also makes some very valid points. And I think it's a good narrative for the character construction, which is, um, you know, he tries to to tell anybody who will listen that there is no good, there is no bad. Um, there's just the here and now. There's just survival. And I think they're really playing with that in that, you know, back in, in the 80s, Daniel could have easily been the antagonist. He was the one who always incited these fights. And not that Johnny was a victim or anything, but I think giving us this both sides argument is really, it's the point. It's the the entire point of these characters uh, not even just, like I said, construction. It's actually the deconstruction of everything we thought we knew about them from the films and kind of not rewriting, just giving us everything. I think that's where they're really playing off of, too, is because they're able to take these characters and, and throw them into a new realm where new ideas are being thrown around, yeah. such as there's no good or bad, but Crease back in the day it was portrayed as a super malicious evil mm-hmm. guy. And now you're getting a backstory behind him of what happened, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that plays into today's characters too. You know, um, I would definitely agree that there's no good or bad per se. You know, there is a, as we were talking before, I think a few episodes ago about the nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and that's where you have them flushing these characters out because you have these kids who have good backgrounds, right? Who fall hard, mm-hmm. and people who have bad backgrounds that are, are risen up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of time that doesn't really even happen in 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 reality. And I wonder if they're gonna actually play around with characters like that too, because um, a lot of the time you see people who are portrayed about coming from nothing and they achieve the status, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Going back to many, many, many episodes ago where we talked about the society, yeah. uh, the societal <laughs> deem of what is success. Right. And then you don't see that, you know, a lot. Yeah. You know, it all depends on how you're able to uh, put everything together internally. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where they're really trying to fight for the characters mm-hmm. on there. At least I'm hoping. I, we could be cracking this nutshell open and be like, you know what? We're philosophizing this entire <laughs> thing that doesn't exist because remember what happened with um, uh, uh, American Psycho. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they have entire university courses on there <laughs> and they have like little chapters in their their books about American Psycho yeah. and, and deconstructing everything behind it. And we're sitting here philosophizing and they're like, not exactly. No. You know, we just wanted to make this TV show. <laughs> and because we loved, because <laughs> we loved uh, Karate Kid so much. And then, and then uh, they would just have a laugh about it. But on that note, I don't think, I mean, if you haven't watched it yet and you don't think it's something you'd be interested in, Watch it. Like, take it from me. I had zero interest in watching it, and I fell in love. I fell in love with um, the writing. I fell in love with uh, the style. I fell in love with the fight choreography, which I'm a sucker for anyway. Like, I won't lie. Like, that's something that I just go wild over. But it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I know reviews and all of that, they can only mean so much. But I think the reason it has such a high rating, and even if you look at IMDb, all of these places that don't really, really matter um, in terms of the the kind of crud that gets thrown at anything's way, you know, like people just hating something to hate it. Um, but I think the reason it, it has these these high ratings is because... We're being told stories that are as unrelatable as they seem are painfully uh, relatable. I since we started watching it, I have had like three nightmares or dreams and maybe this is bad, but whatever. But (laughs) about my high school bullies, about incidences that really like haunt me and like screwed me up, you know, and. On one hand, like, that's, you know that's good writing if it's going to affect you in in that way. Um, You know, and for me, that's just my own stuff that I have to deal with. You know, the way Johnny has to deal with his stuff, um, from his past especially. But I think, like I said, what I'm trying to get at is these are characters that resonate with an audience. And we don't always get these super realistic relatable characteristics of of characters who have um redemption storylines or anything because it's it's so 
black and white in a lot of stories, like either, like we were talking about, either you're good or you're bad. And I think what Cobra Kai has managed to do is give us like, no, every person is so layered and has, there are reasons. There is um, a perspective as to why there's the behavior like this or why somebody might fall back into this routine, into this you know, uh, uh, harmful routine even, or why somebody might act out in anger in this way, or somebody might be more forgiving in this situation. Like, it's just, they've done a really good job. And um, I think, like I said, I think so few stories do that, you know, because sometimes it just feels so hard to relate to certain characters sometimes. I think that's going to be the future of storytelling, too, is because of the layers of everything. You know, the more that we are able to understand about how the mind works and the emotions and everything that works through the mind, um, we're going to find these stories are going to be deeply interconnected mm -hmm. against that information that's coming in. You know, think about... Um, think about... Back after World War II, okay? In World War II, to the Germans, we were the bad guys, mm -hmm. right? So if you have this good versus evil um, mentality. mentality, you know, you have this mentality of good versus evil, then that's where the, the two-sided mm -hmm. two die is going to land on either side, you know? Um I don't know. I don't think dies can have two sides. I think that should have said coin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, the coin, yeah, the coin. Exactly. But uh, along with the development of the character, I think there should be emotion. There should be emotional development. Mm -hmm. um, take into account also. Let's jump off of Cobra Kai because we spent a good amount of episodes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this. I'm pretty sure this episode is going to be entitled Cobra Kai. Yep. Uh, no mercy. No mercy. Strike first. <laughs> Strike hard. Boom. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> now, uh, the emotional uh, aspect of people, too, such as Shameless. You have two different worlds going on now. So you have a world like Cobra Kai that has blinders on that this show is about fighting and karate and life uh, within the power struggle of your own thoughts and emotions and how everybody sees you and everything like that and how you see yourself or how you're going to see yourself. So if you jump out of that realm into a show like Shameless that has a broader example of mm -hmm. everything around it, like it's using perspectives of everything um, against themselves, such as the outside forces and the inside forces also that are combating them within Chicago. And... Um, let's use Lip for an example. Okay. Um, Lip current, we haven't, the, I know the newest season has come out already and we have not gone onto it yet because of these other things and my time limit slot for television. <laughs> so, um, I am going off of last season to the latest, um, definitions. So let's take Lip. So you have Lip, and he was on this path, you know, this path of, of what you quote, quote, unquote, greatness. And then he fell because of his alcoholism, which he got from his father, because this thing is genetic, and 
it's seen as genetic, but what it really is is the underlying issue of this internal piece of not having this other lifestyle or family or anything like that because I'm going to bring it back to <laughs> Cobra Kai. <laughs> Johnny had a rough childhood, and then that's why he had Cobra Kai to lean on. Now, what happened was is uh, Daniel LaRusso, <laughs> rather, had a rough childhood, but... Miyagi came into his life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about these figures that are in your life at an early stage. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. But, um, so bring it back over to, sh bring it back, we're back over to Shameless. And now you have, uh, the Gallaghers that are the most dysfunctional. And I've known people to say, okay, well, I can see myself in this show, you know. All this crazy stuff happens. You, you're the person who can see yourself in the I... Every episode, you're like, yeah, yeah. I can point out in every episode in an instance that happens, I guess <laughs> I have seen that. So, uh, so he goes through and he falls and now he is in a relationship and they have a baby. Okay. So now he's getting back on this, this certain level. And I think there's a whole more story for them to tell through Lip's character mm -hmm. and that whole upbringing thing, too. But unfortunately, this is the last season. You know, another character that had such layers in development was Fiona, obviously, yeah. because of her relationships and everything like that. Um,. <laughs> Well, you know what? You can just name all the Gallaghers, and you, and they just yeah, have their own something. little, have their own little levels of everything, you know. Uh, and uh, they just took these characters and breathed so much life of everybody into um, their space, mm -hmm. you know. And I think even the new episodes are about COVID. I don't know. You know, we'll have to see. That's what the, I, I was reading the the definition or the uh, description, rather. And they are already in the, the midst of COVID, mm -hmm. you know. So it's it's one of those shows that's just written so quickly, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, you know on that that exact same same uh, face of the coin, not the dice, the coin. Um, when you look at the media that we are consuming, um. And I, I don't know about you, but I know, and I'm sure we've brought this up many times before, but uh, in, in, in the vein of resonation, we want to see ourselves in these characters. Um, and sometimes you don't always get that. Sometimes you don't always... Sometimes you kind of have to, oh, I can, I can, you know, relate to that, you know, one tiny instance of a character or, you know, I, I can see their point of view. Like, but I think we all, and maybe it's selfish, maybe, I don't know, it's because we are a generation that is very split from a lot of um, relationships, um... We want to see ourselves in these characters. You know, I opened my Etsy shop and from the get-go, the pieces that have been selling 
like hotcakes, <laughs> is the magician. So is it is the magicians. And um, if you watched or you read the magicians, it is a story. And I have people who message me like, oh, my gosh, you know, I love these prints. Thank you so much. Like just people who want to talk about the way that they can relate uh, to these characters. And um, I think that's really like spectacular because, yeah, it's a it's a fantasy show. It's it's a little wild and out there. But these characters are so like they have evolved and they have taken essentially what could be seen as flaws and kind of contorted them to being um the reality of how you have to adapt and you know as much as we wish we could all just you know change overnight like oh you know I hate this about myself you know what sometimes you just gotta run with it and sometimes and I'm not talking about like toxic behavior. I'm talking about things where it's like um, that uh, society hates, you know, either they hate it or they fetishize it in some way. Um, you know, it's it's I am somebody I'm sure there are many of you who have heard this, but uh, let's take the classic. They just need to come out of their shell screw you no <laughs> like I hate I hate that that oh they just need to come out of their shell no why like you know I I agree that yeah you need to have experiences but it's like not everybody is built to operate the same way that benefits everybody else you know sometimes people uh just don't operate like that I don't operate like that I could I don't I I just I don't operate like that. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure there are many people who don't. Um, and so in that regard, it is portrayed as being a flaw. You know, oh, they're just they're shy. They're introverted. They they don't really like to talk to people. They just kind of stand quietly in the corner or whatever. Like, OK, um, big whoop. So you use that to your advantage. You don't look at it as a weakness. You don't look at it as a flaw. And I think that's where the growth kind of comes from. Well, that's how we're growing right now because mm -hmm. now there's new information against neurodivergency. Exactly. And, and stuff like that. So now you have new information and new training and, and, and whatnot within uh, hospitals and schools and, mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. So And people who are willing to learn. <laughs> yeah. The... the uh, the new information that comes out, you can take it and now run with it. So the person who is quiet or shy or whatnot now has a condition or a neurodivergent condition. I don't know if I should even say condition. You know, it's not really a big deal. You know, mm -hmm. uh, at least I don't see it as like a big deal. Um, I'm not sure, though. That's, that thing gets kind of touchy about like whether or not things are a big deal or not, you know. For, for how you're going to view them. Um, it's no big deal, though. That's the neurodivergent part of your brain. <laughs> Watch out. Uh, I can see right now, though, that this episode is definitely going to be a two-parter because we spent <laughs> a very large portion even describing what the television show was about. And that's just how 
it could speak to, to, to the depth of what we believe that it could have this gravitational, you know, <laughs> uh, pool on these characters and the story has no depth to that well. Yeah. Um, but we could also be um, reading too far in on it, but I don't feel so. Yeah, I don't think so. I think because, you know, we're, we're discussing, discussing a whole, uh, the aspect. And I think like pretty much everything we talk about, I think there's, there's, I mean, limitless ways to, to go with these conversations. And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that I think we're doing is, is kind of inviting these discussions over, uh, character arcs, character development, character depth, and what makes a character good. And, uh, it's a lot, like there's a whole wide world of it. So I don't think we're, we're reading too much into it. One last note though, before we leave. Well, until next week. Um, my last note is about, um, Hannibal Mm. really quick. Um, so, I think this has relevance because we were discussing uh, uh, Goodnight Delilah by Alice Grimrose from the issue last mm. month or this month? This um, month's issue, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God. So. Still tripping out. It's 2021. Yeah. So, um, a couple of things about that, too, is that um, when you have like this good versus evil um, layers to all these characters now, you know, uh, it, it kind of makes you wonder where the tipping point was for the psychopaths and in society, you know, or where the brain develops, you know, I, that's, I want to bring it back to Hannibal because they didn't really flush that idea out in the show. You don't really get that backstory. Yeah. Do you remember? No. Yeah, like so in the in the, in the show they didn't really go to the to the depth of what made Hannibal the way he was. Yeah. But I think I think that was kind of the point and purpose because we didn't need to because Hannibal didn't Hannibal didn't see good or bad. That's that's the exactly And so, the... you know, and and Bedelia uh she put it best when she, you know, said uh to uh, a cannibal or uh, a, a murderer, cannibalism and murder is okay. And I'm not sure that's 100% fair on Hannibal's character to, you know, of course, <laughs> I mean, you could, uh, you could say, you know, it's, um, there's so much to be said about this. That's why this is going to have to be a two-parter. Yeah, I think I think but, this is going to be our first part one of, yeah, a, of a dual piece. Yeah. Yes, because how Hannibal had lived his life up until then is unknowing to us, unless it they. Well, the books get into his they history. They write into his books, yeah. right? So I didn't. I did not read the books, so that they get into history. Somebody please email and enlighten me on how Hannibal came to be. Go ahead and take us home. Yeah, so uh, hopefully uh, part one of this episode kind of gave you some some delight in kind of thinking about character and character development. And I, I, like I said, I know there's a lot more to dive into, but I think we have some good ideas on 
uh, what kind of kind of subjects we want to breach in the next episode. So until then, you can find us on theworldofmyth.com, on Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine, and on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. Thank you for listening. Until next time. And you know what? Next uh, week's episode is just going to be a, a half hour long episode describing the details of the magicians. Yeah, I'm fine with that 110%. Hey. Yeah. Which is impossible. <laughs> The world of Mythbits.